Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Charlie. And in today's episode, we're reading chapters 11 and 12, because I can count, of Goblet of Fire. We discuss things like travelling to Hogwarts and Malfoy just loving Harry. And more travelling to Hogwarts. And other travel-related issues. We discuss UK geography. There's also some logistical issues that we dive into. You guys love logistics and geography. That is the only reason you subscribe to this This podcast. This is our niche. We may market (laughs) ourselves as a British podcast. We may market ourselves as a drunken podcast, but we know our real niche is our absolute love of geography and public transport. So join us. Grab a glass of... I mean, we started with drinks. You'll find out. They were too strong. We've barely drunk any. Grab a glass of booze. Grab a map of England. Join us. And knuckle down. On this reminiscent journey. Hello, it's us again. My pop socket's all floppity doodah. Yeah, Hannah's pop socket has erectile dysfunction. It won't stay up. I mean, don't shame people, Charlie. It's fine. Shit, I left my phone in the kitchen. You're closer. Can you go get it? Because it has everything I need to read out. I fucking hate her. It's your favourite drunk adult... Po- no, adult podcast sounds like we read... Po- oh my god, sometimes people at work... Like, I try to explain the podcast and I explain it really badly and it sounds like we do something dodgy. I'm like, so it's like an adult Harry Potter... And then I'm like, no, wait, not like that. It's drunk. Yeah. It's not adult. It's drunk. Aside from the time we had to read Nathan's fan fiction for our Patreon bonus episode. Ah! <laughs> and that, that was, was adult. A bit adult. That was a bit adult. I haven't told anyone at work about... Everyone at work knows about the podcast. People don't know about the Patreon do they not no they know i have one they are explicitly told not to sign up right we're back we are guys we've been at the pub all day we've we're on a gin heavy time yeah but we were at the pub since about three on the pints on the pint and now it's 10 and we've drunk half a bottle of gin between us Hi guys, it's Editing Charlie here. I just want to point out that this was pre-recorded. This was recorded about a month ago before the country went into lockdown. Me and Hannah haven't seen each other recently. We haven't gone to the pub. Um, yeah, this was pre-recorded. Uh, so, um, oh, let's record a podcast. I mean, why not? So we have some more reviews to read out. We do. So the first review is from Joanna, who says, We have ruined every other podcast for her good every single one good during this these corona time <laughs> stop bringing up the coronavirus <laughs> by now it could be completely irrelevant or it could be worse i mean actually we say by now but i always forget the like podcasts people will listen to this in like two years time like this doesn't go away oh. it's not like youtube videos yeah, where most of the tweets like of what i think is the most random shit they're like i guessed you were in gryffindor and i'm like what are you talking oh, oh the third episode yeah i forget that podcasts just continue to build because we both come from like a youtube background where most of your views happen on your latest so it's very weird getting used to a system where people go back especially us because we're doing a linear book series yeah. and people are like oh so what you were talking about in episode 17 with and, and I'm, I'm like, like I really want to give you a great reply to this and it means so much that people will like tweet us about like every episode but also sometimes I'm just like 
I don't, don't remember know what you're talking about. Sometimes I, I have to go back and listen or go back and read a yeah. part of a book because I'm like, I don't know. I was so drunk. I know. A year ago when we recorded that. (laughs) A year and a half. It's only going to get worse from here on it. Anyway, so Joanna says... But also never stop because we love it. We literally... I want to hear more about what house you guessed we were in. Like, I love that kind of shit. So she says, we ruined every other podcast for her, but we've also given her a new appreciation on the books, which, you know, that's high praise yeah thank you we're just shitting on these books and picking it apart and because and also because sometimes i feel like there is nothing new that you can say no yeah. about harry potter like it is all, all been said. said so i like when people say things like oh like a new appreciation or something because i'm like at least we've maybe contributed something something to this discussion yeah. i guess maybe no one has pointed out that harry would have frozen on their doorstep or that the hogwarts Our legacy would go <laughs> Literally, we have we have two legacies: Norfolk and Harry freezing to death under the doorstep. That's yeah, but we will milk those jokes for all that they are worth. Watch out for the t-shirts coming your way in at twenty twenty at some point. A big thank you to Louise, who says that they're away from home for seven months. Oh my god, that's so long, so long, and that this podcast keeps them feeling close to their favorite story and is cozy, funny, and informative. And I love that. I love any. You know we love the reviews. That, uh, I feel like if we say that, people are going to leave it more. But yeah, just cozy, cozy makes me really emotional because we both listen to the audiobooks and reread the books to make us feel cozy, cozy and warm. So the fact that that podcast gives people the same... If everything else got stripped away, all I would want from this podcast is to make people feel some of the same feelings I feel when I reread the books. Mm-hmm. So, And we also have new Patreons. So a huge thank you to Rachel and to Lindsay and to Chloe and to Sasha all of whom have joined the Patreon they are helping support this podcast Charlie um, tell us what we're drinking yeah, I was gonna say so speaking of Patreon ah so today our one of our new producer level patrons who so I'm really sorry I have been calling them Veronica in quite a few episodes just because of the way they wrote their name but it's actually a cipher and um, they said they we can change their name every time we read it out whatever they want but um, they said just pronounce it as VR if we want to so VR said that this weekend they were making a load of martinis with their friends and that we should do it too which is great time your patrons for when you're also making alcohol that's like a it. great suggestion so we've made a classic martini so that is gin vermouth and we didn't actually have real lemon so we put a little bit of lemon juice in i'm i'm not sure about this it's basically straight gin but um yeah i mean i've never drunk a martini before i've tried sips um, never a whole thing yeah i sometimes we like do this thing and i'm like i have to not mention this until the podcast episode so all day hannah's been like martinis 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 she's like oh like i don't know if i like martini and i'm like not tried one <laughs> and i like, can't say it because it's better to wait but yeah i don't think i've tried a martini before charlie to be honest this probably isn't the best way to try a martini one made in my home measuring jug with ice cubes that weren't fully frozen yum cheers it burns. It's pure alcohol. Gin is alcohol and vermouth is alcohol. No fucking shit. Do you know what, though? Vermouth definitely does something to the gin because I've tried gin on its own before and it's not very nice. Vermouth definitely softens it slightly. Does it not make you feel a bit like James Bond? No, do this. Do this. Like, look at me. Hannah. And do a bit of a, like... 
Hannah, we're drinking it out of some Ikea fucking looking glasses. It is from Ikea. They these were, are not, These were expensive from Ikea. This these was are me not, splashing out. They're literally just like tumblers. They they're not a martini a glass. glass. But it's not a martini glass. I can't fit martini glasses in my cupboards. Have you seen the size of my cupboards? I went round your house before. I, so last time I went round Charlie's house, I barely ever go round Charlie. Not in an offensive way. But maybe this <laughs> is why. She's like, it's disgusting. No, because last time I went round, I was like, can I have a cup of tea? And she was like, no, don't have any. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll have a coffee. And she was like, no, don't have any. I was like, the fuck am I doing here then? <laughs> the fuck is this? In my defence... <laughs> I don't drink tea because I don't like the taste of London water in tea. I don't tea. care. You have emergency tea bags for guests. I've got chamomile tea. I don't want that shit. I just want a PG Tips bag, please. Um, And I do now have coffee. I have a coffee machine. Good. Because last time I came around, I was like, can I have a hot <laughs> caffeinated beverage? And you were like, no. I was so pissed off. I'm so sorry. I'm such a bad host. <laughs> All I literally wanted was a tea or a coffee. I know, but I don't drink it and I don't have a living room, so I don't have people over. Yeah, I know. So, like, I, di- I was being a bit of a dick, but also I was like... I also <laughs> only have one mug. <laughs> I feel like everyone now is definitely picturing, like, I just... You live in a hole. You don't. It's actually... Your room, no, but- you have made it so nice because I saw it. So she lived in a different room in the flat she lives in and I saw the room before she moved in and it was a hole. And then Charlie moved in and I was like, you have made this beautiful. It's quite literally a hole because there are massive holes in the room <laughs> in the walls which I have covered up with photos of Ezra, Ezra Miller, Miller from his Playboy shoot. Oh my god, those photos. And then though. so on one wall I've got like Ezra Miller like half naked in his Playboy shoot and then on the other wall next to it I've got a load of photos of Debbie Harry in her bra and my landlord who is like quite young but he's maybe like 30 and you're very typical like lad, lad, lad. He came into my room once and he just like looked from Ezra Miller, looked Debbie Harry and then just looked at me in confusion and just like, I didn't say it but in my brain I was just like, Bi people exist. Yeah. yeah. I have a lot of glasses. Martini glasses are wide. You can't fit them in a cupboard, Charlie. Also, anyway, Hannah I... isn't poor at all. That was completely a joke. <laughs> Harry Potter. I can. What I was going to say is, like, if I swirl it and if I sip it, I can feel like I'm James Bond, you know? I'm kind of feeling it. Chapter, Chapter 11. 11. Aboard the Hogwarts Express. It's breakfast time, and Mrs. Weasley is talking to Mr. Diggory's head in the fire and I have an immediate question Mr Diggory is telling trying to tell Mr Weasley that Mad-Eye Moody seemed like he had an intruder in the night so his bins went off which are like his burglar alarm the muggle policeman got called and it's all a big deal because it's all a big deal why is Mr Diggory telling him this we've established that Mr Diggory works in the magical creature department yeah so why is he like I understand that he's like passing it on as like an emergency message before the official news is broken he wants I think he basically wants Mr Weasley to come in because Mr Weasley if Mr Weasley comes in early he can try to get him off on a lesser charge yeah. of like oh it was um, misuse of muggle artifacts rather than mm-hmm. um, like a, yeah. a, like rather than attacking a muggle but it's really weird that it's Mr D- it just seems like it's Mr Diggory passing on the message so that we can hammer home that Mr Diggory is going to be part of the plot of this story yeah uh, maybe Mr Diggory is just like a huge gossip 
I mean, maybe. He does seem the type. He does, yeah. So Mr. Weasley hurries off to try and sort it out. We learn that Mad-Eye Moody is an ex-Aura who's now, like, a little bit crazy. What? She's waving her hand in the air like she just don't care. You have to drink it. That's the rules of the podcast. Charlie's trying to put a drink down. I always feel bad when we're like, oh no, we don't like this Patreon alcohol. But it's funnier when we don't like it. So please don't be offended. The it's funnier. Is, heavy alcohol drink are such wimps when it comes to straight liquors. It just burns. I don't even mind the taste. It's just the burn when you swallow it. It's basically like downing. Yeah, anyway. Um, the bit I was clapping at is you miss the part where Mrs. Weasley puts a bit of toast in Mr. Diggory's mouth. Oh, yeah. Through the fire. And it's just the fucking best bit. That like, is really good. Through the fire. She puts toast on some fire tongs and then puts it into his mouth. I'm like, for some reason, this is the best use of magic I could imagine. Yeah. The best this use of magic. This is a bit where, like, J.K. Rowling's imagination just jumps out. Yeah. You're just I like, how it. How did your brain Get do that? that. I yeah. Lo- but it's also so realistic. Like, this Mrs. Weasley, who is so motherly to everyone, being like, oh, no, let me feed you, please. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I love so it. So, cute. yeah. We learn about Mad-Eye Moody, that he's an ex-aura, and that he's paranoid in his yeah. old age. But what I love is, like, how loyal Mr. Weasley is to him because this is someone that we can kind of assume from context that that mr wheezy is not still in like regular contact with like we don't know that but we we can assume from context all they were you know in dumb in um the order of things but we don't know that yeah we know later on that they were in the order of the feet so we know that they like use well we don't know but now we know were the weasleys originally in the original order i don't know i think just gideon and fabian were but you know, we know that they kind of like you had know some each other, contact. and now like you know not so much, and he's just kind of this weird, bit crazy recluse. But but Mr. Weasley is so loyal to him, and you know he's rushing off to try and help him. And I just think like it's a really amazing, lovely thing that these people are like sticking together. Yeah, and we don't know Diggory's relation to Mr. Weasley, and I know I just said like in the last episode that Diggory really horrible side of his character shown by the way he yelled at Winky but he also has this he also has this loyalty to Mad-Eye Moody he says you know Arthur before anyone else comes in you you were the only person that could get him off I I flew you because you have to get him off so he also has this huge loyalty to this man and it's it's really lovely to see yeah so so do we want to take a minute to take a deep breath okay no, Charlie, hang on no no we're about to breathe in travel. Hannah breathe in and breathe out. Are you guys ready to talk about travel to Hogwarts? <clears throat> Are you guys ready? Okay, here we go. So then <laughs> can't they they get so they, Mrs. Weasley. No, no. They drive to King's Cross and and let's move on. Let's just move on no, and let's just we're let's not just moving on. We're think, not moving on. They, okay, so no, 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 we're not moving on. This is the entire core of our podcast. It's the only thing we're known for. Please let us round about the travel. <laughs> Mrs. Weasley orders taxis to London. Hannah. Now, Ottery St. Catchpole is in Devon. It is a four-hour drive. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, my pop socket's gone floppity. (laughs) No, stop. Even Hannah's pop socket is like, no. Pop socket, pop filter. (laughs) (laughs) It's a four-hour drive from 
Devon to London. That is not an affordable taxi. It's not an affordable taxi. Also, that implies... We thought this was breakfast time just before work. It's a four-hour drive. The train leaves at 11, so it must be around you know giving them enough time for traffic and for other things that go wrong six o'clock in the morning Mm -hmm. and they're also not just ordering one taxi they're ordering three this is not a four can you even begin to imagine how much a taxi from devon to london this is why the weasleys are poor (laughs) because every year they order multiple taxis from devon to yeah London. And I get that they have trunks, but like a trunk is not much bigger than a sh- suitcase, surely. Like, yeah, but there's no Bill and Charlie just blase decide to go with them. They're like, yeah, we'll see you off. I'm like, you're taking up two seats in a fucking taxi, mate. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. This taxi, I don't. And also, so Mrs. Weasley, this really annoyed me. Mrs. Weasley braved the Muggle post office to go and order them these taxis. We can only presume it's around 5 a.m. to be able to get them there in time. Therefore, the post office wouldn't be fucking open. Am I missing something about this chapter because I wanted to scream? And also, before any of you are like, how do we know Ottery St. Catchpole is in Devon? Just Google Ottery St. Catchpole. It's on Harry Potter wiki. I don't know if J.K. Rowling has established it at this point, but it's very clear that Ron is from, like, the sticks and from somewhere like Devon. Like, it's it's in Devon. Like, please yeah. don't tweet me. Yeah. yeah. Also, we've covered this before. You can technically drive to King's Cross. You can do it. But you don't. And you shouldn't. You can't. Like, it's just not a practical thing. At least in this, Harry mentions getting soaked in the walk from where the taxi dropped him off to the station. So at least we know it wasn't, like, at the door. But also, that taxi would have then charged them loads of extra money for the congestion charge. And I mean, I don't know what was around in the 90s, but it's not fucking realistic that they yeah. got three taxis muggle taxis that they ordered at 5 a.m in the morning from the post office from devon to king's Cro- i'm d- i'm d- no no it's just get the fucking train it would be quicker and cheaper and would actually take you to the station and also better for the fucking environment and also like taxis. in the 90s the trains would have been public wouldn't they yeah, I think they became private in the late 90s. So, you know, cheap. What? Just get taxis to the nearest station. Like, get taxis to... What's the nearest station? Torquay in Devon? Yeah, Torquay. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just read this and was just like, oh, good, my blood is boiling. Mm-hmm. 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 So they bought the train. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bill yeah, and Charlie are like, I'm going to come back to the Hogwarts. Are you going to be so amazed? And they're teasing them about yeah, what's going to happen. Yeah, they're just like winding them up about knowing Which is stuff's going to happen. That is the job of older siblings. Whilst they're on the train, they discuss lots of different things. And one of the things they talk about is they find out that Hogwarts looks like a ruin from the outside. And it has this huge sign out the front that says, danger, do not enter. And they find this out because they're talking about how nobody really knows where Damstrong and Beaubatons are. Mm-hmm. So, A... I had two questions from this. A, are the people inside Hogwarts and outside in the grounds still visible with this spell on or does this spell make the people invisible and everyone inside the walls? Yeah, I assume they become invisible. Fine. Question number two, this isn't a question. This spell 
this ruined castle with this sign outside would not deter British teenagers from going inside. Yeah, no, it wouldn't. I think what I like is in Doctor Who and Torchwood, when they kind of have these things that kind of like are hidden but aren't hidden. Yeah. How they basically say it is that it's not that it's invisible. It's that it's this kind of perception filter where you just kind of, you can see it, but you just kind of don't, not care, but you just kind of don't notice but or care. that's the leaky or... cauldron. The leaky cauldron yeah. is hidden that way, isn't it? Where the muggle's eyes just kind of gloss yeah. over it. And you, it's not you it's kind invisible, of just, you it's don't just notice not, it. It's just not noticeable. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I much prefer that because that makes a lot more sense where like you kind of, you, you would technically see it, but you just wouldn't think about it or really notice or yeah and like i get that hogwarts is probably in the middle of nowhere in the highlands of scotland so when i say british teenagers would still go in there there might not be any teenagers around because there probably isn't a muggle town or village for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles around so maybe that's the reason no one goes in but i'm just saying if there was an abandoned castle near where i grew up in the middle of nowhere then i would have definitely broken into it oh yeah something i've always wondered about is that okay so like muggles just see this as like an abandoned thing but what if and i know this would be unlikely but what if a wizard who was from a muggle family came mm. across Hogwarts like with their family like they were on a holiday around Scotland or something and they went past it and the kid having magical powers was like whoa what the shit and then obviously the parents would just be like mm, it's mm. a ruined castle mm. like I know that one unlikely and two they would just be like oh kids imaginations no, but it's still a good, it's a good point like is it unplottable and yeah, is it to people that don't have magical powers or is it to people that don't pry and know about it? Is it like a secret mm. keeper situation? Like, mm. no, it's a good point. Yeah, because that would also make sense that they could have just hidden it via like a secret keeper spell and that they're, you know, letter, they get the letter yeah, from that Hogwarts. The that's, yeah, exactly. Mm. That would make sense. I feel like JK Rowling had like kind of three different ideas of how you can hide places and <laughs> it kind of developed over time, but she kind of had said early on that this was it and then kind of had to just stick with it i guess yeah draco comes into gloat because at this point he's obsessed with them it is a contractual obligation that every train ride he must come in and annoy Mm -hmm. them like it's it's actually written in the contract if you if you look at this contract Mm -hmm. here it is Mm -hmm. this is the book contract and it says malfoy must enter carriage on every train journey yeah it's like i don't personally ship Draco and Harry, but I can completely see why, why people do because it just comes off like he's fucking and obsessed. obsessed. Like I, he like, goes out of his, his way. way, and like I understand if you don't like someone and therefore if they annoy you, you say things at them. But Malfoy goes out of his way to mm. seek Harry and his friends out to annoy yeah. them, and I'm just you like, know that he's probably just like they're all like sat in their compartment, being Slytherins, having a good time, being really racist and shit. And then <sighs> it's probably like Draco be like, so like where do you reckon Harry is? And they were like, oh, Draco, just like leave it out. Like we ha-. And he's like, no, yeah, but like, do you like, reckon like, do you like reckon like Harry's gotten on yet? Or like, do you reckon they're like down the other end of the train? And they're like, look, just Draco, just like drop it. Just chill. Look, we're Wait. having a nice time. Come we're on, just like, our just, yeah. Like, you know, we're comparing our swastika tattoos. Just like, come on, just, you know. And he's like, okay. And then a bit later on, he's like, shall we just like, go on a walk like i just fancy a walk should we just go walk and they're like you just want to walk by harry don't you 
like and they're like no 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 i just i just you know i just i just feel like we could go on a walk and uh, that's why the draco from a very potter musical is the best interpretation of draco oh yeah the the most accurate like yeah Sorry, Tom Felton, but, you know. So, they arrive at Hogwarts, and it's chucking it down, and that's the end of the chapter. Cool. Chapter 12, I also forgot to write it down. The Triwizard Tournament. Dun-dun-dun. So, they arrive in the entrance hall. They are sopping wet, and Ron immediately gets hit by a water balloon. Of all the times to throw water balloons... For maximum impact, do it when people are dry. No, but I suppose it's like, you know that feeling when it's raining and you don't have an umbrella and you're like rushing to get through the crowds and then you get inside, you're like, oh, thank God. And you you really relax. You're like, oh, that moment, if a water balloon hit me, I'd be more stressed than if I was like hot and dry. Nah, because if I was like, my hair was good and my makeup was good and my outfit was good and it was all dry and then the next second I was wet, that would annoy me more. It's all annoying. Peeves is being, so it's Peeves saying the water balloons and he's being a little bastard. A little bastard. But also this bit made me really sad for the fact that we never got, um... Oh shit, what's his name? Rick Mail? Rick Mail. Because he would have just been so perfect. <sighs> Dennis Creevy is starting and he gets fished out of the lake by the big squid or whatever it is. When they all walk into the Great Hall, the way it's written made me realise that the way the house tables are laid out might not be the way we've thought. Hannah, get a fucking life. No, okay. So the house tables in your head are laid out like one, two, three, four Mm -hmm. with the the teach table at the Mm -hmm. top. The way it's written in this book, so it says, Harry, Ron and Hermione walked past the Slytherin, Ravenclaws and the Hufflepuffs and sat down with the rest of the Gryffindors at the far side of the hall. What this made me think about is whether we've interpreted it wrong the whole time and because they had to walk past all four houses and then it's mentioned something about the way the Gryffindors are facing, about whether the four house tables are actually laid out horizontally which would be bizarre wrong and disgusting no because you would still have to walk past if it's just that the not all door no no but if the door was right on one side of the hall rather than in the middle you would still have to walk past all four i suppose that's assuming where the door is i suppose i've always assumed the door is in the middle yeah but I suppose if the door is to one side, then they would have to walk past all four. Yeah. I hope it's that. Because can you just imagine the seat? Just imagine it in your head. If it's the teacher's table, mm-hmm. then Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, Slytherin. Yeah. Is that not a disgusting image? Yeah. But also, why are we talking about this? I don't know. You carry on with Dennis. So, yep. Dennis is starting. The Sorting Hat does his song. I can sing it to you if you like. Yes. A thousand years ago, when I was newly sown, there lived four wizards of renown, whose names are still well known. For Gryffindor from Wildmoor, far Ravenclaw from Glen, Sweet Hufflepuff from Valleybroad, Shrewd Slytherin from Fen. I'm not going to do any more than that. No, no, you have to. No. No, because I need you to get to a certain line. So you've got to finish it. Why, is the line at the end? Just keep going. <clears throat> they shared a wish, a hope, a dream. They hatched a daring plan to educate young sorcerers. Thus Hogwarts school began. Now each of these four founders formed their own house for each to value different virtues in ones they had to teach. 
by Gryffindor the bravest were prized far beyond the rest. For Ravenclaw the cleverest would always be the best. For Hufflepuff hard workers were most worthy of admission and power-hunger Slytherin love those of great ambition. While still alive they did divide their favourites from the throng, yet how to pick the worthy ones when they were dead and gone? T'was Gryffindor who found the way he whipped me off his head. The founders put some brains in me so I could choose instead. Now slip me snug about your ears, I've never yet been wrong. I'll have a look inside your mind and tell where you belong. I didn't have a point. I just wanted you to finish that. You're such a bastard. No, okay. I did have a point. But it's not like really like a very serious point. Oh, no shit you. because you of me. Just made me. No, but to me, I think what stood out when I read that is it's all very like melodical and like not metaphorical, but none of it is very like literal. And then there's like the line that seemed quite jarring to me was the the founders put some brains, brains in, in me. me. It's like whose brains? Whose brains did you take? And did they Where literally did get those take brains? their brains? And is the sorting hat a piece of all of them? Because we don't really think... We just think it's an enchanted hat and we don't really think too much into his origin. But the sorting hat... Bits of brain in? Yeah, like the sorting hat has this personality and not necessarily like a good one. But you just think like, what if he is like an actual like concoction of all of the founders? I don't know. It just made me think a bit more about his like origin and something about the whole put brains in me thing. Just kind of, it, it's all very jeery, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, and then they put brains in me. And it just like seemed a little bit jarring. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It is a bit weird. When J.K. Rowling was writing this book, obviously it was a bigger gap between three and four. And during that time, someone wrote to her and said, um, there's a girl, um, she has leukemia, and she really wants to find out what happens in the book. Can you please tell her? And J.K. Rowling wrote down what happened to the main trio in book four because the email was basically like, she's not going to live. You know, She really wants to know. And the email arrived the day after the girl died. Mm. And J.K. Rowling, this really stuck with her. So she went back to this sorting chapter and wrote down one of the people that are sorted to that girl's name. So this girl would live forever in these books. So I just wanted to take this moment to like talk about that and say that girl's name. So um, in this chapter, Natalie MacDonald is sorted into Gryffindor. Natalie MacDonald was a real Harry Potter fan. She was only about nine and she died of leukemia. That's um, really sad. But she lives on forever, sorted into Gryffindor, into the book. So I think that's really beautiful that yeah. she lives forever. She li- Like, in a hundred years, these books will still be read by people the same the way that Alice in Wonderland and everything is read and her name is forever in these books. And I think that's really, really beautiful. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that up, that when you reread book four, if you ever do, the name Natalie MacDonald is a real yeah person in a real Gryffindor at the feast Hermione finds out that Hogwarts has house elves and she goes on a hunger strike which I'm just like (laughs) okay great Hermione um how long do you think that can last like it's just like it's very white feminism where it's like what is this actually doing like maybe actually like you know open a 
dialogue and like speak to Dumbledore. Which she and and she does try to open a dialogue later, but it's this but, very like initial. It's this very she? initial. No, that's the thing. I thought about this during this chapter, and she tries to open a dialogue with the elves and everything, but never does she take. Yeah, she basically she gets a, to Dumbledore. She gets a bunch of signatures. And she does her, like, knitting thing. She doesn't ever actually talk to the house elves. I mean, she does talk to the house elves, actually. When they go, but after, she starts doing the stupid knitting thing first. No, the knitting is book five. She does talk to the house elves in this book. Does she? Yeah, she tries to get them all to, like, get together. And they're like, I hate you, please get out of the kitchen. Okay, I don't remember that bit. But, yeah, she never, like, opens a dialogue with, like, Dumbledore. Dumbledore. She just gets signatures and then doesn't really do anything. But I'm just, like, going on hunger strike... Okay, no one cares. Yeah. I'm, and also, like, you can only do that for a few days. Like. I do find it a bit weird that she... I mean, maybe it's her youth. You know, she's, like, 14, 15. But I do find it a bit weird that she never takes this cause to Dumbledore and opens up a dialogue. Yeah. With him. But, yeah, this hunger psych is very much... I mean, the thing about this whole spew thing, which we will come back to in the spew chapter, but the short version of it, it, it is very re- reminiscent of your... of young people's gut reaction to issues like you have this gut reaction of oh my god i have to help i'll help in this way and Mm. you you, the way you immediately think to help is actually not helpful to the cause and it's just your immediate reaction from someone in a position of privilege i have to help i'm gonna go on a hunger strike it's like who is that benefit yeah think longer and harder and hermione does think longer and harder eventually but not right now yeah yeah so then dumbly announces dumbly (laughs) <laughs> oh also Hermione asks if they get sick leave and I was just like I didn't have sick leave in my last job yeah. not that that means the house elves don't deserve it I'm just kind of more thinking Hermione really needs to work for the government now because my last job I didn't get paid sick leave yeah like we don't really it's on a case by case basis which means you don't so my manager just doesn't report it. Yep. So yeah, Dumbly announces that Quidditch won't happen this year. Thank fuck. Stop it. Stop trying to be cool and saying you don't like Quidditch. I don't like the Quidditch chapters and I'm allowed. So then Moody arrives in the most badass way possible. Yeah. So literally like Dumbly is like about to announce the Triwizard Tournament and then there is thunder the doors swing open and then there's lightning and moody's there it's like i want to arrive like that somewhere like dum 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 yep we always assumed that the enchantment of the ceilings is just this like pretty aesthetic enchantment is it not is it a part of hogwarts and does hogwarts know that he is an intruder is this i mean it's you have like pathetic fallacy don't you where it's like the weather is the mood and this is very yeah well the the weather always mirrors what's outside because it's explicitly mentioned earlier in the chapter that harry was thinking about the rain outside and the first year's crossing the yeah and he looks up at the 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 great hall and it's stormy yeah but it's the thunder and the lightning Mm. literally he walks in there's thunder Mm, they all turn and look and there is lightning so we know that hogwarts has Okay, so this is actually really interesting and something that will come up in later books. Hogwarts itself has a power of magic in yeah. and of itself. It's almost sentient. It is almost sentient. And there's multiple examples of this. So um, I was actually reading something about Peeves. A poltergeist, as it claimed on, I think, Pottermore, is not a ghost. Um, a poltergeist is a spirit 
of basically childish and what's the word mischievous emotions mm-hmm. um and hogwarts is full of that because it's full of children so yeah. it's full of children misbehaving so when they say peeves can never be got rid of it's because he is the spirit of the children yeah. he's the spirit of the misbehaving children so he lives because hogwarts lives when hogwarts goes to war um professor mcgonagall commands all the statues to come to life the statues are sentient mm-hmm. to guard hogwarts and hogwarts almost becomes a life force to protect the students it is trying to protect itself so hogwarts does have this kind of and there are many many other examples of this of it of like trick staircases and these kind of things catching some people and not others and like it, it does seem like it is it is trying to protect itself so yeah. i think there's definitely something in there about the the sky trying to warn people yeah it and also it just seems very cheesy for jk rowling to be like look this guy (laughs) there is literally thunder and lightning as he walks into the thing like that's quite like a cheesy to actually write in that kind of that's something that happens in cinema not in books so to me this very like this stands out as a thing where it's like it has to be in here for a reason like it has to be that actually it's it's hogwarts going yeah fuck no like yeah, you not know. that guy yeah so then moody walks up the great hall and there's a description of his face and it's incredibly scarred his nose is almost gone he has a fake eye but i find the children's description and their reaction to him really interesting both all three harry and hermione have this reaction where they like can't stop looking and they're like oh my god his face and it's a very childish reaction to be honest like I think as adults, we, you know, someone who's that injured on their face, you know, as adults, we wouldn't be like, wow, let's stare at them and be like, wow, how did they get that? Oh my God, let's whisper really obviously. Yeah. Like, you don't do that. And, the, but for these three, it's their first time seeing someone like this. So they're like, oh my God, how did they get that? Oh my God, let's all stare at his face. Oh my yeah. God, let's all whisper really obviously. I'm like, that's mean. All three of you are being mean even if you don't know you're being mean yeah yeah so dumbledore introduces him as moody and says that he is the new defense against the dark arts teacher um he then goes on on to say that the triwizard tournament will be taking place this year and goes on to explain a little about what it is and basically how Durmstrang and Bobaton Bobaton, take place and that it's like a thousand years old or whatever but hasn't been done in like a hundred years because people kept dying yeah and the way he phrases people kept dying is because the death toll got too high as a child i read toll as troll (laughs) and i was convinced growing up for like my first five readings of this so quite a while that dumbledore was saying the death troll got too high so i was like oh my god this tournament includes some sort of like murderous troll like it's a really dangerous troll yeah i just didn't understand the word toll as the word number like so my brain was reading it as troll i like the death troll the death troll so still to this day i'm reading i'm like ah the death troll and i'm like hannah it's a toll and i'm like ah the death troll so then the twins and ron both like all really want to enter and they're like discussing how to trick the judge yeah because Dumbledore says that there's an age restriction yeah and he says that there will be an impartial judge so you kind of assume that it's a A person person. the way he phrases it impartial judge definitely sounds like a person what I find interesting is Harry seems really unbothered so the twins are super super bothered Ron is kind of like yeah yeah, he still goes to bed dreaming 
But the way I think of it is, so Harry goes to bed dreaming of it, but in the way, like, whenever anyone mentions anything, like, I might dream of singing in Wembley. I can't sing. I wouldn't want to do that. It doesn't mean I actually want it. It's just like one of those like, oh yeah, yeah, that would be cool. What I find interesting is Harry ends up getting entered into it, but he is one of the ones least bothered by the whole thing. The twins are really outraged. Ron's kind of interested. Harry is kind of like, oh, oh, the age limit. And then he just stops being bothered by it. He's like, oh, well, whatever. Yeah, just he's happy. already got money in eternal glory. Exactly. He's like, I'm happy to go on with life. He's one of the ones least bothered by it, which is why it's most frustrating that he ends up in it. And why it's, I think, most frustrating for Ron, because Ron's the one like, yeah, maybe we could find a way to trick it. And Harry's like, yeah, maybe if you find a way, you know, tell me. Yeah. And then Harry ends up getting in. So to Ron, that's really offensive. So... I just find it really interesting that Harry never wanted this glory. Everyone that this from this book and into the next one, it starts to build up that Harry is really superficial. He's a show off. He likes to brag. And us reading Harry's internal monologue, it's the exact opposite. He's just like, no, I'm not bothered. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So they go to bed. Yeah. Neville's foot gets caught in a trick staircase, which is definitely a setup later so that we know there's a trick staircase. And my copy had the word soccer Instead of football, Ugh. when talking about West Ham, and I was like, "This is the first edition of the English copy." Jake Rowling had been so persuaded by her US editors, she wrote the word disgusting. "soccer," which Absolutely is disgusting. disgusting, gross. It's football. Great. These two chapters, not much happened. Yeah, but, but what did you think of them? I liked them. I. It's very. It's quite weird for me doing this podcast to get used to this suddenly longer book because. There's a lot less happening per chapter, but the words, it's a lot more well-written. But it's very odd to get used to. Yeah, definitely. What did you think of them? Yeah, they're fine. They they are just kind of setting things up and world-building, which is so common with, like, the earlier chapters in the books. definitely. Yeah. I can't wait to dive into it. I like... I think these books are where I think the second half is going to get really interesting for me because typically when I reread now I don't reread I do the audiobooks mm. and a lot of the time I will start because I'll be going through like quite an anxious phase yeah and then by like halfway through the book I've like stopped listening to them to go to sleep or whatever so then it means that the front end of the books I'm really really familiar and then mm. the second halves I'm less familiar because they get quite long yeah um, so I think that's like once we get into a bit more like the more we read the less I'm going to have remembered because I, I've read it less I also find in my anxious stages when I'm using it to get to sleep or my upset stages I purposely don't listen to the end of some books because they're they darker are, they're darker yeah. more anxious building so I purposely pick I will switch between the beginning of books so I'll listen to the beginning for it be beginning of book four beginning of book five and never get to the end because i'm just wanting to go to sleep and relax so i don't want to listen to the bit where like people are dying and stuff yeah so yeah i know the first half of the book's a lot better in the back of my mind yeah yeah but yeah i enjoyed these chapters they're just quite brief but there was and yet like we've talked for like homely... 55 minutes i know you were texting me like do you think we need to read you know more i i basically thought you were hinting that you wanted to read more chapters per episode i was like nope we don't need to <laughs> i think we need to look at it going forward no but not now <laughs> because we can rant about travel no five years of this podcast oh my god Never i don't want to be friends with you that long on that note goodbye bye Bye. 
thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons. VR, Nathan, Amanda, Catherine, Mark, Katie, Sandra, Danny and Mutalib. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind the scenes content and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.